Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Chris Garbutz, I really agree with you 100%. And uh, that spirit and enthusiasm and, and absolute people power of the Tea Party movement from eight, nine years ago, has to reappear again. There's so many people who are disillusioned by that whole experience, uh, exactly for the reasons that you've so eloquently enunciated. These people came out, they fought, they, they fought tooth and nail to make a change, and they did, and they were betrayed. I say we, yeah. because you and I were part of that. We were betrayed. We spent yeah. hours, hours, days, weeks, months, and, and, and our, own, our own dollars uh, to change the country. And we were effective, and then the people that we expected to be effective with turned around and screwed us over. And that is a yeah. bitter pill in the mouths of so many people now. And so when you try to get them to become active again, you're getting resistance, and they're they're saying, "What's the use? We've already done this; it didn't work." You know, I'm going home to my bunker. The problem is, no. we all have we all have children and grandchildren, and and the, and the next generations that are coming, and like you, and I, I'm going to say it, and I want you to say it right after we we cannot afford to be complacent at this time. What do you say? No, we we absolutely cannot afford to be complacent. Like this is, and, and if the other side, you know, let's let's talk about. Okay, forty four percent, according to a recent poll, forty four percent of millennials prefer socialism over capitalism. Imagine if the Communist Party USA knew that statistic back in the nineteen thirties. Did the Communist Party's movement not have um, setbacks? Here and there, of course they did, in that they kept fighting, and they kept infiltrating, and they kept undermining this republic. And so we have to do that to save the republic. We can't let, we have to learn from these. So what, what did we learn from the Tea Party movement? We, we learned that just because a politician uh, uh, says they're going to do something, that we have to keep them accountable. And one of the biggest ways that we can do that is we, we have to be okay with Getting using the Trump playbook, you know the Trump playbook is completely against the establishment. Find the local person in your area that is willing to use that playbook, that is unapologetic, that stands up boldly and doesn't care about the consequences as long as they're speaking what they know to be true and what and they know that 
their constituents want. Who cares if local media attacks them? They're going to attack them no matter what. I'm, you know, we just got to be bold about this. And, and we have to be okay with telling somebody that betrays us, you know what, we're not supporting you, and we would rather see you lose the election and get somebody in there or, or primary a sitting congressman um, if they betray us. We, we've got to stop playing the GOP establishment's game, which is, you know, you work within the party, and then whoever's in the party and the leadership, you let them go. There are certain rules and niceties. No, this is still the people. Um, and we have one of two things we can do. We can take over the GOP party and make it the people's party again and make it um, a conservative party that stands up for, Repu- uh, for the republic and for the values of this nation. Or we have to go a much more painful route that would take a lot longer, which is a third party. And I have never been an advocate of that because that takes years and years and years to build up any kind of movement if you ever can. Um, and I just don't recommend that route. So we've, we've got to work within, from my perspective, at least in the short term, we've got to work within the party to transform it into a conservative party again. Well, again, the, the last third party that really got anywhere was the, was the Republican Party uh, back in Abraham Lincoln's day. Uh, and that's 130 or so, whatever, years ago. Um, and so... <laughs> You, you are, again, I just have to echo what you said. I mean, we, we have a vehicle that is malfunctioning, and that is the Republican Party. But we have no other vehicle from a realistic point of view. You want to think we're out in the middle of the desert, and there's nothing around but that, that one vehicle. And if we're going to get out of the desert, we need to get that vehicle running and working properly again. But... The difference has been over the course of years, and I want you to speak to this, uh, that in the past you had print media and a few radio stations, and that was about it. Uh, And now with the Internet and that entire mechanism of reaching people, uh, that is what we have to learn how to take advantage of. And it seems that the powers who control that, being liberal, are 100% against us and have used every dirty trick in the book to foil our efforts. How do you fight that one? Well, the way that you fight that is, so I'm not telling people to disengage necessarily from Facebook and Twitter and Google and things like that because, look, we can't give up that space. We still have to have a presence there. Um, But... There's no amount of work that Google and Facebook and Twitter can do to keep people from doing the one thing that's most effective more than all of it. The people that are willing to show up to local events and meetups and strategy sessions and activism at the local level face-to-face using this old thing that um, you know, we used to use called a phone to where we act. Well, we use it now, but for different reasons, um, calling each other and talking to each other and meeting face to face, um, in small groups and sometimes bigger groups, local activism will win the day. The other side understands this. They've been phenomenal at local activism. And I'm sure you've heard the, uh, you've heard the, the, the saying, you know, getting, getting conservatives organized is like hurting cats. Well, yeah, because our primary our, our primary 
push and focus as conservatives is to have the government leave us alone and, and we kind of step away from it. Uh, we, we can't do that anymore. You know, we've got to be better community organizers than the left for the next six years. Uh, otherwise, we, we, we won't have a republic left. We'll have the semblance of a republic, um, but, but the core, the structure, the meat of who we are as a nation will be lost. And so, look, organize the old way. Meet. I'm sure you have groups, Dr. Dan, um, or you know people that are meeting locally. Um, there's several different um, conservative groups, I'm sure, that meet in your area. Uh, they should be full. And everyone should be exchanging information and everyone should be strategizing and having breakout sessions. Okay, here's a local issue um, that we need to address or this is something that our congressman or congresswoman uh, did great. We need to let people know about it. This is something that they failed on. We need to let people know about that as well. Um, but the point is the, the Googles, the Facebook, the leftist media, the mainstream media, uh, local media, no matter how left they are, can't stop local activists from getting involved. And so the one thing I would encourage people to do that are listening is get involved, find a way to get involved at the local level, and then stay with it. Um, I don't care if they shut down your Facebook page. They can't stop you from meeting other conservatives in your area and making a difference. You know, that's good advice, and it is something that we all, and all everyone within the sound of, of my voice, uh, and your voice need to understand that that is the only way to save uh, our nation is you cannot sit on the couch anymore. I mean, it is not going to work out good for us. It's not going to work out good for your, your, the future generations of Americans who are going to have to deal with our failure and deal with it in a very, very, very harsh way. Um, there's just, I, I really don't know how to do that. I, I, and, can you give me some suggestions? How do you how do you motivate people to get off the couch, Chris? Well, okay. So it's all about time management when it really comes down to this. Um, and my 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 um, experience has been that you don't spend a ton of time trying to convince someone that doesn't want to get involved. What you do is you try to plant as many seeds as possible, and when you see someone that's interested, then you say you, you really get them there. Um, holding someone's hand and getting them to a meeting, um, a local meeting, uh, once people actually get engaged, a lot of times they're like, hey, you know, this is kind of neat, even just for the social aspect of it, of just getting out. Um, you know, one of the things that I find, fascinating absolutely fascinating is i i travel all over the country and and you know the most favorite thing that i do is speak to to groups um you know whether it's tea party groups or gop groups or conservative groups or patriot groups it doesn't matter the point is when i'm in front of groups i, I try to tell people I, I ask a simple question how many people have been going to their local gop meeting and I'll usually get a couple hands raised. And I'll ask those people, how many people are at those GOP meetings? And they'll say, oh, you know, on a good month, maybe 20. You know, some groups, like the highest I hear on going around the country, unless it's major cities, is around 40 people. The average GOP meeting, like their monthly meetings, is about 20 people. And I'll just look around the group. So if I'm at a Tea Party group and there's 100 people in the audience, 
I'm saying, so you're telling me right now that if every single one of you start going to your local GOP meeting, all of a sudden the 20 people that were there are now 100. You're the majority. You can change those meetings. You can change the leadership at the local level right now if you start going. It really is. You know, people always ask me, how can I make a difference? How can I do something? Well, let's transform the GOP in the next six years. I promise you it can be done. It really just takes showing up, becoming a delegate, becoming that person that helps to select the, the next candidate. You know, the biggest problem we have as conservatives is that we're not involved in the process, so we, we have a choice, typically, of the GOP candidate that the GOP selected for us, but we weren't involved in picking that. There are so few people in every district that are actually involved in picking candidates, and it's just a matter of who shows up. Well, if we, you and I, Dr. Dan, and, and our audience are the ones that become the majority in the party, we never let the establishment have the power that they've had in the past. And we can look back at the Trump years as being the motivation that got us to transform the GOP back to what they, they said they were about in the first place. So basically we have to reignite the Tea Party movement of 2009 and 2010. Uh, that really is what we have to do. And at this point, as, it, as desperate the situation was there, it is a thousand times more desperate now. And that's why we have to do that. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and the other thing I would encourage people is you don't need huge numbers to do that. You know, you really don't. Um, it's, uh, uh, I, you know, the numbers vary from every, you know, every um, local election, but typically at local GOP conventions, you're talking about between 500 to 1,000 people at the most that are deciding for an entire congressional district who is going to be the candidate in a primary. Um, that's not a lot of people when you start to do the numbers and think about your circles of influence and your spheres. Um, so in other words, I always say there's a, there's a certain, and I didn't come up with this rule, but there's a, there's a certain, typically about 7% of any population is actually actively engaged in whether it's politics or making sure that your, your church's doors open on time um, and that everything works um, and that everything functions correctly. Only about 7% uh, of, the, of the population is involved to that level, regardless of what it is. So really, you're only talking about influencing and becoming 7%. It, you don't, we don't need millions of people uh, right now to get more involved. We need thousands of people to be incredibly involved to give more time than they even think that they're capable of. But if they do, and if we do, we can fundamentally change this country to, to the way it's supposed to be, conserve the country, I should say. The other side wants to fundamentally change it, and they've done. They've made a lot of headway. But, um, yeah, so I just encourage people, don't get discouraged. And this is where, from a Christian perspective, I just encourage everyone to, look, we can't abandon prayer in this, um, and we can't let um, our leadership... Um, our pastors and priests that have that have failed to to talk about certain issues from the pulpit, we have to say, look, you know, we can't shy away from anything uh, right now. Let's let's speak truth boldly, but with love. But speak truth boldly, and uh, and encourage our leaders at every facet and every level, at the local level, 
You know, not every one of us can change what's going on in Washington, D.C. or around the world. We can absolutely change what's going on on the local level. And if we do that around the country, well, then we save the republic. I think that the pastors, certainly in our area, would be a key group of people to become involved. And one of the unfortunate things, of course, is that a lot of them are afraid to open their mouths. And uh, this is really, uh, when it comes down to it, I I always look for examples. I look to the American uh, War of Independence. Uh, The pastors were an extremely important group because they spoke out in favor of revolution. They spoke out in favor of individual rights. They lectured from the pulpit, and they taught their congregants how to fight and how to shoot in many instances. Uh, There's a lot of stories about that, and uh, Pastor Dan Fisher brought his uh, pageant here uh, a year or so ago in which he outlined the history of pastors, uh, their importance in the American Revolution. But again, the important thing to realize is even back then, it was only a small percentage of people, 3%, who actually took up arms and did the work of freeing us from the monarch King George. So from that aspect, you are correct. We need to ignite the Tea Party and those 3% to say, I'm not giving up. I am going to continue working. Absolutely. Look, this is still our country. You know, we, we are in the phase right now where um, we, we are the counter-revolutionaries. We, President Trump won. We, the majority of the people, still are working to preserve the republic. It's not like we've lost the republic. We have, we're down that path, and it's dangerously close to losing this republic. But we haven't yet. We are still the majority. We've got to think like that. Um, and, and, and not get discouraged. But absolutely, um, these next six years will determine the next hundred years of this republic. I firmly believe that. I, you have, Chris Gobbitz, uh, I understand a cautionary tale about Minnesota politics that might be instructive for us. Sure, yeah. So I spent uh, several weeks in Minnesota before the election, um, this past election, and really, the primary purpose, um, myself, um, and there were other colleagues of mine that were there, uh, notably uh, a good friend of mine, Phil Haney, who, um, if anyone hasn't read his book, See Something, Say Nothing, it's a, it's a cautionary tale about someone who was trying to do the right thing in the federal government, the Department of Homeland Security, um, and uh, he had, uh, he had um, terrorists that he had entered into a database deleted uh, because they didn't want to offend uh, some of those terrorists who had high, were working in high places, let's just put it that way. Um, but myself, Phil Haney, several other of my colleagues were in Minnesota because we understood that Minnesota was at a tipping point. You know, this is one of the, the states that has had a huge influx under the refugee resettlement program of Somali Muslims um, moving into Minnesota. Um, and... Look, if you want a cautionary tale about why it's so important, forget the dangers of the left for just a moment, because they're already in your community. Um, And I think everyone listening knows that. Um, I don't care how conservative your community is, they're there. Um, I promise you. But from the Islamic movement's perspective, um, Minnesota has went from a place that was gorgeous 
and people felt incredibly safe and had low crime to all of a sudden people not feeling safe and they had a lot of high crime in certain areas. Um, and it, and it, uh, it corresponds to the Somali refugee resettlement program um, that has been going on there. And this is a failure of people to hold their local officials accountable. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything Everything gonna be all right this morning Hmm.